This is the Rich Eisen Show. Oh. With guest host, Susie Schuster. I mean, you're kind of hitting one of the hottest women on the planet is what you're doing. <laughs> you just say hitting? <laughs> Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Tom, how do you feel about Benefer? I'm all for us running back things that were cool in 2001. <laughs> Earlier on the show, from NBC Sports, Peter King. Coming up, actress and director Elizabeth Banks. Emmy-nominated host and proud member of the Bald Brotherhood, Rich Eisen. Plus, Bob Costas. And now, it's Susie Schuster. Great chat with Peter King in the first hour. I suggest you all go back and take a listen to it. He had a lot of great gems about Aaron Rodgers, about Deshaun Watson, about the rest of the teams around the league. He's always the greatest, don't you think, TJ? He's always a wealth of information, shall we? Hi, TJ. Good morning. Hey. I say cheers to you. Cheers to you, Mike Daltufo. Cheers hey. to you, Chris cheers. Brockman. Cheers. I mean, uh, Joe Boo needs a refill. Like, what, wow. what, what are we doing over here? Wow. What are wow. we doing over there? You, you got two lanes. You walk juice. over to the bar. <laughs> Susie, so watch to everybody what we're doing I mean, I right now. I didn't know what was... You drain that juice like Luka drains well, and step I mean, back three. I mean, look, when gold medalist Luka Doncic finally takes his place rightly <laughs> atop the greatest basketball player in the world in a couple of weeks, oh my goodness, TJ going to be a great day. I mean, it's like you're trying to bait me. <laughs> I am and trying then, to bait you. And then people on YouTube are like making it out like if Luca was white, then T- if Luca was black, then TJ would say he's the greatest. Oh, come on. Wait, did come someone on. really say that? that is of so course, because all the mouth breathers go to YouTube and they leave stupid comments like that. Like, People, be smarter in the comments. Do you know what I love? Comments. Really? Who's got time? Uh, Susie Schuster <laughs> in for Rich Eisen. A lot of people do. Uh, a lot of people do, but not my thing. You know what I'm saying? We are here drinking on the Rich Eisen Show. because do? Why yeah. not? Because Elizabeth Banks, the great, <laughs> amazing director, producer, huge, crazy star, uh, was drinking during our chat yesterday. And I said, you know what? If you can drink, why can't we? Why can't we? Del Tufo. Cheers. My yeah. Cheers, Salute. guys! Cheers, guys! Happy Aaron Rodgers coming Again, back, I mean, looking I mean, like Blade I mean, Runner. I mean, Brockman, you got to, you got to. Re- I'm surprised you made it through. You had a pretty full, full cup right there, my guy. So, wow, well, I mean, it's 9 a.m. I mean, <laughs> hey, I've been out with Brock. Hey, 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 is it, hey! Has anybody seen hey. Josh Weinstein? He's hey. out back drinking hey. mimosas. Hey. <laughs> Crazy amount of news today. Crazy amount of news. We talked about Simone Biles, and we will talk about her throughout pulling out of competition right now from the all arounds. Uh, the U.S. went on to take a silver. Uh, a lot of concern about her ankle. She walks in a lot of pain, according to Juliet Mocker of the New York Times. And we're wondering about how she is, whether she'll come back and continue to compete or whether that is the last we will see of Simone Biles in this Olympics. So, so she has a chance to finish, right? I mean, I, I, I read this as she's done. I'm okay. curious to see whether she'll come back. Maybe she'll get therapy and medicine. Maybe she'll come back for the individuals, but... For the all-around, she is done. Okay. Mm-hmm. Naomi Osaka out in uh, in straight sets. One and four, I believe it was, in the third round. So that's a shocker to have her pull out, uh, to have her sit out, be done. Uh, she was the poster child for the Olympics when she lit the torch the other night for her home country of Japan. So that is a big story. We also are talking, Christopher, about what's happening in the Big 12 slash SEC as Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy. Uh, they voted today that they're out. They're mm-hmm. going to leave the Big 12 by 2025, Oklahoma and Texas. Now, this this shakes up college sports. I know we're focused specifically on football, but it does hit on everything. Uh, and it's it's a huge deal. And I, I'm guessing, I saw someone tweet about it earlier today, 
I'm guessing the lawyers for the SEC come in and make this happen, and they're in the SEC next season. Next season. That would be that would be my guess. There like, are millions of dollars at what's, stake. What's There's the payments, point? right? What, payments. What's the point? Why, why, why wait? You've already, you've already chosen. You've already gone down this path. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Like, it's over. Like, they're leaving the Big 12. The Big 12 will no longer really cease to exist. So I think it's time to just, let's just cut the country in, in quadrants. Let's have four super conferences, and let's go to work. 32-team tournament for football, top eight in each quadrant of the country, and let's rock and roll. Like, what are we waiting for? Let me ask you a question. Who's a happier man today than Greg Sankey, the chairman or the commissioner of the SEC? I mean, Nobody? He's, they, he, he's running college sports, essentially. He's in charge. It seems like he's in charge. Mm-hmm. It's not the head of the NCAA. It's not Mark Emeritt. It's, it's this guy, Greg Sankey. Like, everyone wants to join the SEC. Why? That's where the money is, Mike. We go out there because that's where the fish are. Yep. It's like the perfect storm. All the money's in the SEC. The best teams are in the SEC. SEC. With all due respect to Ohio State, I mean, we might see Ohio State join the SEC. Yep. Why not? Let's get them all down there. This is all about football. It's all about money. And uh, the NCAA made its bed, and this is what's coming to roost. I was listening to somebody talk about Ohio State and Michigan yesterday about that very thing, and does college football want something like the NFL? Do they actually want to have seasons to go through with just a basically a, a filtration system where there are these couple super conferences that lead to a national championship game without all the bowls, without all the other ways to get to a national championship? Yeah, I mean, the NCAA football is, you know, it's, it's minor, league, minor league for the NFL as it is. Right, we all we all know what it is. It's just minor league football. That's all it is. It's minor league football. I mean, when you hear Nick Saban now talk about his quarterback Bryce Young is going to have a million dollars in NIL, we are now talking about minor league football. So the sooner we all just accept it and move forward and realize this is what it is, uh, be honest with yourself, as Chris Wirtz used to always say. Just this is what it is, and so let's accept it. Let's move forward. Let's rock and roll, and let's get the season going. And let's just not pretend anymore. Yep. Let's not pretend bowls matter. Let's not pretend any of that crap really means anything because it doesn't. It's all about who wins a national championship, who can make the most money, and then who's going on to the next level. So you're not concerned about the Costco two in the morning bowl or whatever. <laughs> bowl yeah, is. yeah, exactly. The farmers insurance or the, the <laughs> what is it? What is the one? Uh, <laughs> a lot of just great all ones. these dumbass things. Like it's over. No one cares. We I don't think Texas. Farmers. But what what will Texas and Oklahoma do with their current TV contracts? That's the issue. Yeah, they'll so, have to get I mean, negotiated down. But they have contracts to play. They do. They have contracts to play out um, through twenty twenty five. So they're going to have to figure out a way to get out of it. I imagine. <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head what the endowments are at Oklahoma and Texas, or but I'm figuring they can scratch a pretty big check yep. and get out of those, and then the SEC will cover the rest. And now the SEC just becomes. <laughs> the SEC is just essentially AAA for the NFL. You know what I was thinking, though, yesterday when I was driving in listening to people talk about this? Does anybody care about tradition anymore? Somebody was saying, oh, maybe maybe USC will join this new power conference. It's it's the SEC. It's not like the biggest people in football conference. <laughs> right, right. I mean, what about tradition? I loved covering college football. Mm-hmm. Because when you went to a game, you saw, you saw generations of families lined up. Yep. And you saw people like, you know, when you do a game in Alabama, roll tide. I mean, it is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Michigan games, what have you. Traveling around the country as an ABC sports reporter, 
was the most exciting three years to go through and, and see tradition. So this uproots everything. Does anybody care about tradition anymore, or is it all just about money? Don't answer that. Yeah, I think you, uh, I think you kind of <laughs> answered that yourself. Yeah. And and the thing is, the member schools of the SEC, as they call it, there's 14. They have to vote whether they can are, are going to accept these teams. And let me tell you how that vote's going to go. What do you think? 14 um, zero. Because when Texas and Oklahoma come in, you know what that means? That means more money for everyone else. Like all tides. What is it? What are the high tides raise all ships? Mm-hmm. This is a high tide for the SEC. And also, they should accept these teams. You know what they, you know why? That's more wins for Alabama and Georgia and Auburn and Florida because Texas and Oklahoma haven't been that great recently. You have to, you have to wonder, though, what the Pac-12's thinking, what the Big Ten's wow. thinking, ACC. You have to, I mean. The Pac-12 at- becomes more relevant. And they're just more, like, I know they're fixing the tournament. It's going to go to 12 teams, right? Yes. That they figured out. So, I mean, they're going to get maybe one in, but they're just, they're not there. They're not on this level. Jay Billis said yesterday that the ACC should merge with somebody, I think, but they should take Notre Dame. They should try to get any big Midwest or East Coast school that wants to join them if they're going to compete with this. Because, or else, Mike, the. TJ, the, the, the 12 team tournament is going to be all SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to wind that, up being. And, that, and that's just, that's just going to be the fact of the matter. Coming up in the third hour, Bob Costas. Thank God Bob's calling in today because he can put all of this Olympics into perspective for us. We will also have a call in from a guy named Rich Eisen who is busy in Connecticut doing Tokyo Gold, also streaming on Peacock. Don't stop watching this to watch that. <laughs> but you can check it out later because it's great. It's all highlights. Rich is just having the greatest time. I mean, the buzz he's getting from doing these highlights that are getting thrown at him last second, pronunciation guides, be damned. It's crazy. I have to look up everything. I, I'm, I've, I've now got it on YouTube where I can find out how to say pretty much everything, right? <laughs> you were going to go for a name there. And Who I are you going for? <laughs> Who are you going just, to? Just give it a whirl. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Take a sip of mimosa and Hold give on. it a whirl. Hold on. Here we go. Prost. <laughs> Everybody listening on radio. We're drinking here, people. Just toast it up. Throw out whoever this crazy name. Marketa Vudrosova. Well done. Thank you very much. Listen to a pronunciation guide this morning. Who is the one who defeated Naomi Osaka this morning in straight sets one and four? I mean, I got to tell you, he's having a blast. So when you're done watching the Rich Eisen show here on Peacock or when you're listening to it in any of the myriad radio stations, Mighty 1090. Hey, how are you? The Mighty. The Mighty. Love them. The Mightier. Anyway, my point is. Watch the other show, Tokyo Gold with Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen Hudson. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. That was from two matches ago, right? Yeah. Thank you, Charles. That's, that's right. That's amazing. You know where I have my bread buttered. Hey, you know what I want to talk about? My favorite baseball player. Does anybody know what it is? Otani? I love him. I think I mean, he's the greatest. Did you see him last night? I didn't see the game. I know that he pitched seven innings, went seven innings last night, right? In the seventh inning. His 99th pitch of the game. Oh, baby. 100 miles per hour. Smoke. What? Smoke last night. I mean, I saw that. I'm calling Joe Madden. I want him on. I want to talk about this guy. I think he is the greatest. I don't get to sit in the chair that much, so I haven't been able to say this. But come on. I mean, for somebody, I've yeah. lived with the Angels. 
Six and 14 World Series run. Remember that, Mikey? We need Otani in the studio. Okay. That's what we need. Remember, Mikey? I sat in a game with you a couple, more than a couple times. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Those were the days. Net days. Yep. Those were the days. That's when I first met Susie. Those were the days. Okay. Six and 14. Mike Sosha, I'd sit him with him every night after a game and he'd rub his red face and I'd say, oh, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) How do you interview a guy night after night when you lose? And then all of a sudden. Scott Spezio, Tim Salmon, Scott Troy Gloss. Oof. I mean, how about those names? Eckstein. Wow. I mean, David Eckstein. David Eckstein. Yeah. Not Jewish, by the way. Oh, just thought you might want to know. Yeah, I would. Adam Kennedy. Tim Salmon. What a bunch of misfits on that oh, team. And, and they went on. That was the Barry Bonds were, Giants. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. It was great. Amazing. Did you say Erstadt was on that team? Right oh, yeah. Darren yeah. Erstadt. Yeah. yeah. Darren Erstadt. Thunder Not sticks. a man of many words. Yeah, Thundersticks, Rally Monkey, Rally Monkey, the Rally Monkey. Yeah. The Rally Monkey was the best. To the you Rally guys, Monkey, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Rally Monkey, Rally Monkey. he's not going to do it. I'm going to hook my boy Brock. Yeah, take um, care, Brock. We're a huge Otani. We talk about Otani all the time. Uh, oh, he's so great. What he's doing is amazing. And here's my question for you guys. And maybe TJ, I'll wait till you get back, but uh, you can answer this when you get is back. Is he pouring you a drink right now? What's yeah, happening yeah, here? Update for the radio audience. Chris is on number two. By the way, I knew Chris when he didn't drink, so this is kind of like. Wow. Back in the day. That was, that was he never pretty, had a second whoa, cup of coffee pre, at home. Pre, pre-baby. I mean. <laughs> a baby will do that I mean, to you. Susie, you get it. A baby will do it to you. Otani, what he's doing is so incredible. The only comp is Babe Ruth, which is also just remarkable in itself. But do you think he's AL MVP? Yes. I think he's baseball MVP. MVP yeah, I agree. I think he's baseball. I think he has put a new face on a game. That really needed someone to root for in a lot of ways. Yeah. He's an international star. Does it matter to you that they're 10 games back in their own division? Nope. Nope. It doesn't nope. matter. It doesn't matter. So winning. Because I tune in to see Otani. Okay. I don't tune in to see the Angels. Sorry. Love you, Joe. But I tune in to see Otani. No, it's all I good. Think... I'm just wondering how, like, how you think we should go about judging who is the MVP here. Like, what is MVP? Is it most valuable or is it most outstanding? Because if you're talking about who's the most outstanding player, I don't think there's a, any question that it's Shohei Otani. Right. Just like it's probably Fernando Tatis in the in the National League. But when you're talking about most valuable, I mean, <laughs> they're ten games back of their division. They're a game. They're a game over five hundred. Who's a great your MVP? Argument. Who's your MVP? Right I'm not now? sure. I, I mean, I think if you look at what's going on in Boston, they're not expected to do. And this, this isn't a homer thing either. They weren't expected to. Do what they're doing right now. They're 23 games over first place, uh, over 500. They have the best record in the American League. And Raphael Devers is in the top five in every offensive category. So how is that not most valuable? Because it's translating to winning games. So if you care about being outstanding and if that's how you measure your MVP, then yes, it's Shohei Otani. But if you're talking about value and value in terms of winning, and people are going to be like, oh, well, if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't even have 50 wins. Otani endeavors have the same war. So they have the exact same war. One guy's team is 23 games over 500, and the other guy is one. So who's your most valuable player? But I think it's player versus team, right? I mean, we're talking about the, what the definition of what the MVP is. Now, you're absolutely right. Red Sox are on a nice run. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations and uh, thank you. Uh, that said, it's a team. And so you're looking at most valuable player. And I think he defines it. Yeah. I mean, Mike Trout, let's, yeah, it's let's not bring his fault. It's not his fault that Mike Trout has been out for nope. you know basically the whole season. It's not his fault the 
relievers blow games or the team can't get a run when he's pitching. I, I totally understand all that, but I just want a big, big picture, big picture. I mean, I love what he's doing. I'm free Otani. Like, let's go. I love the guy. Most valuable player, though, this year? I mean, I guess when you look back on the year, what are you going to remember? I guess that's kind of a way to look at it, too, and you're going to remember yeah. how amazing he was. And Chris, I remember bring... him just hurling it in the seventh inning. Yeah, he's what? And that's always going to bring up the argument, right? Are you the best player or are you the most valuable player? Right. And, right. and baseball always seems to have that argument come yeah. down, more so than any other sport, like MVP, most valuable, or best? Who are you giving it to? And I guess there's no real right answer. Yeah, there's no real right answer. I mean, Mike Trout has won three MVPs, and, and on two of those seasons, the Angels won 70 games. I mean, A-Rod yeah. won MVP one year, and I think same thing. Texas won like 68 or something that year, but A-Rod was incredible, so he was the MVP. I just like, I guess I just have a different definition of what's valuable. I think they should just add a most outstanding, kind of what the NFL does. Offensive player of the year, MVP. It can be two different things. No doubt. No doubt. Well, you know, you just are bitter about A-Rod, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Double A-Rod. We're taking a break. When we come back, Elizabeth Banks, don't go anywhere. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs and the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side, helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature, quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Brett, I know you were before when you saw that we had the 2015 World Series trophy. I'm a trophy. big fan of that one, but I know. That, where's, uh, where's that other one that, uh, that uh, the old guy uh, The 1985, 1985 one. Okay. Because you are somebody that we want to make sure you're happy. Come on in. I love it. Thank you, Kurt. Kurt Lisa of the Royals (laughs) Hall of Fame has taken out your trophy, and we will replace the 2015 one. 
with the 1985 one. Oh, look at one. this. Oh, look at that. Just, just for you. Just the best. Wow. Thank you, Kurt. And just like yeah. they say, but wait, there's more. <laughs> what? They took the Cy Young <laughs> new Awards. Ah. Uh, that oh, you, the wow. two of them. And we have those right here. You can put them right here on the desk if you don't mind. That's one. Oh, look man. at this. One Cy I've never Award. seen one of these in person. A Cy Young Award. Never, no, I will never. be careful. Don't you worry. You got them all set all up. All right. Okay. You guys are... There you go. I think I'm going to have to tip you very well for all this. <laughs> now, is it true, Paul, that for that famed game six, that famed Don Denkinger call uh -huh. of the first baseline right here in this here stadium, you were here for that game. That's as right. were two other hosts of the big. That's right. Game. We were all we were, We didn't know each other then, but we were all at that game. I was sitting right over there just uh, opposite the, uh, uh, the just off third base behind the dugout. Right. And um, it was it was the greatest uh, game I've ever uh, been to. I mean, I mean, I, w I was there in for, you know, just recently too, but I never remember when that, when they won that game, no one left the stadium. And I remember everybody hugging each other in the stands and 20 minutes later after the game, everybody was still there of that series. I was, I got to go to game two and game six. And, um, I had, I guess my dad had some tickets to game seven but had given them away. So I didn't get to go to game seven. And instead I had to work at a grocery store sacking groceries and nobody came in. So, and, but the boss, Wait, you were, you were bagging groceries. I was bagging game groceries for game seven at work, but not really. Cause nobody was even in the store. Everyone was home watching the game, but my, but the boss <laughs> made me go clean the bathrooms while he sat up front and watched the game on TV. And I didn't get to even, I'd come in and check in, and it's sounds like a crappy job. It was, was terrible. What was your boss's name? Let's get his, his name. Was his name was Ed, and I've called him out already on shows because I never got over it. Furious. This is the worst thing to do to somebody. I'd come up, I'd say, "What happened?" He goes, "Daryl Motley just hit a home run." Go, and then uh, and they go back to the grab toilets. a mop, grab a mop, go check, go go rearrange the milk. And now he's Ant-Man. So uh, I guess Paul Rudd got the last laugh on you, Ed. Just saying. 20th anniversary of uh, Wet Hot American Summer today. So Paul Rudd, one of his original movies. Bradley Cooper's first movie. And also Elizabeth Banks' first movie. I had a chance to sit with Elizabeth yesterday and talk to her about her upcoming podcast and what it was like growing up a mass hole. Let's go to Liz. Thrilled to have Elizabeth Banks here on The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Susie Schuster, of course, in for Ritual. He is glowing with Tokyo gold. And Liz, I'm so happy that you came on because he's wanted you to come on before and I like to consistently outbook my husband. So by the way, don't ever do the show without me. Just tell Rich no. It's so funny. I thought the exact same thing when you were like, let's just get on and chat this week. And I thought, oh man, Rich is really going to blow a gasket when he figures out that I came on for you and not for him. <laughs> well, I, said, you know, uh, I said, you know, Liz is calling in. He's like, you're kidding. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I, I, I think I've asked her a couple times. I'm like, yeah, she doesn't want to go on with you. Just <laughs> not true. I love Rich. That's she not true. Go on with you, Rich. But it's just worked out, you know. It partially has worked out because I'm in Ireland currently, as you know. So I'm eight hours ahead of you. So I'm at I'm at like I'm relaxed. I'm having a glass of wine or a can of wine, and I'm chill. And normally he's like, "Can you get up early 
during like kids school drop off and talk to me on the podcast. I'm like, no, I can't. I don't know how to do that. And the answer is no. <laughs> By the way, I also think that having a cocktail on hand enhances the experience. So tomorrow, um, when we have you and Bob Costas on, ah. I'm having a mimosa because when I think of Bob Costas, I think of Elizabeth Banks. It's like a natural oh. sense, right? That's so sweet because he is like a legend. Yes. Um, and especially with the Olympics happening, what a fun booking. Just so you know, the good news is this. He requested to come on with me. Of Whatever, Rich. Tokyo uh, Golf, whatever. Just saying. I mean, you know, we just know wherever. <laughs> we know where the bread is buttered in this family. Uh, okay, a couple questions for you. As a mass hole, yes. you are just like me, a mass hole. Hold on. To me, if you're born there, you have to know sports or they chuck you. Oh, out. yeah. So yeah. What was your earliest experience with sports as a master? Do, me playing sports or like knowing, going, I mean, anything. Knowing, well, I mean, my dad, my dad was my softball coach and still is an umpire in our town. He's been an, um, he's been umpiring little league and softball and high school games for going on 30 years. He keeps threatening to retire and he still hasn't retired. So, um, you know, baseball was my family's kind of first true love. But what's interesting about where I'm from, which is Western Massachusetts, unlike you, we live on the border of New York and growing up, the sports radio, because remember you, you know, growing up, you would listen to ball games on the radio. That's how you listen to so much back in the day. And so my dad grew up listening to radio sports out of Albany, New York, not Boston. And so he is actually a Yankees fan. And my mom, who's from Boston proper is of course a Red Sox fan. So I, and I have two huge ginormous families. So very much Red Sox, Yankees, like Always went to Fenway, but also went to Yankee Stadium. So I grew up with like loving <laughs> Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> like my sister grew up loving Don Mattingly, right? So it's like we we played both sides my whole life. So baseball is the is sort of the that was the primary sport in our family. And then um, because my dad is was not really a Pats fan either, because his favorite player was Johnny Unitas. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah. So he is very interesting. We did a lot of college sports and my dad still tailgates at like Williams college, which I think is like division three or something. Division 17. Yeah. It's not, it's barely a blip on, but he just loves the culture of it. And in Western mass, like that's the, that's the best we're going to do. And then obviously I grew up with the Celtics. I grew up with the Bruins. I mean, you know, we have an amazing sports legacy where we're from, as you obviously talk about a lot on the show and, and, um, and then, you know, the Patriots, uh, I mean, I can't, it's wild what's happened in my adult life right? (laughs) to the Patriots. Um, it's been a wild ride. But then how do you rationalize the Patriots? And then of course your husband, Yes. The Fly Eagles Fly Guy. So who gets the, who gets the teams in your family? The boys root for who? Okay. Well, right now, because we're raising little boys in Los Angeles, California, we are actually trying to become a Rams family. Okay. It's very hard going. I'm not going to lie about it. <laughs> it's not going easily. 
It's not easy for, I'm not there yet. I'm not sure my husband's there yet, but you know, we're trying, we're going to attempt. Like we can't do Dodgers and we can't do Lakers. It's not, it's not going to happen. My husband's from Portland, Oregon. He's trailblazers till death. That's all he cares about are the Portland trailblazers. I got for his birthday this year, you know, we've been together a really long time, like you and Rich, and it's always hard to figure out what the best how to surprise somebody for their birthday when you've been together this long. What's the good gift? And this year, um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get Damian Lillard to DM him happy birthday on Instagram. <laughs> That's amazing. And did you get it? I sure did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. I did it. And the best was we were in different time zones when it happened. And, um, and I, so I, so I DM Damian Lillard on, I slipped into the DMs on Instagram and I was like, Hey, this is so crazy. But if I've ever made you laugh at anything, maybe you'll do me this favor. And he's like, yeah, girl, he, he really literally um, DM me. I got you. And he, and then I woke up the next morning to a text from my husband, Max saying, did you do this? Was this you? What the hell happened? How does he know it's my birthday? <laughs> and it was, and he sent me the screen grab of Damian Lillard's happy birthday thing. And then they kind of, and then actually they went back and forth a little bit. So we actually had a conversation. Anyway, that made his life. So, you know, we, yeah. Anyway, we love sports and our family. And we're trying to do Rams. We'll see I know your husband and I know he's not wanting for anything. That's the kind of thing that a guy would get giddy about. Like just get like, kind of like little girlish about like, it's Dave. I was thrilled that I could make it happen for him. You know, uh, yeah, as you know, it's like he has, you know, what do I get him? He, he has me. So <laughs> um, tell me who, who was your inspiration for Gail Abernathy McCadden, Jewish Feinberger. Yeah. Feinberger. <laughs> um, who was my inspiration? You know, honestly, it, we watched dodgeball and I loved the idea. It was that the SNL guys like Jason Sudeikis doing like commentary um, with Will Forte on SNL. Right. Just the idea. We, we watched a lot of videos of like golf commentators trying to make things interesting. And, and what's interesting here in Ireland where I am right now, I just watched um, the tennis and Wimbledon. And the, and Bjorn Borg is one of the announcers here, right? So we don't, we're not gifted with that. We get John McEnroe and, you know, Mary and all these people. Beyond that, he was incredible. (laughs) Just absolutely incredible. The bombs that he drops and just like the silly nature with which he approached the entire thing. It's, it's that, it's that, it's that you're a critic of something that you, actually could never really do. And so it's about that. It's about how do you, how do you watch something and criticize it or commentate on it when there's no chance that you could ever live up to the standard that you have set for the people that you're watching, doing the thing that you're doing. And that is absurd in and of itself. It's kind of like the Olympics in a way when we're watching all these sports that we would never dream in a million years of participating in. You know, with Tokyo watching this on Peacock, because of course we're on Peacock, we're watching all these sports that we would never try. Like the 13-year-old skateboarders, which by the way, are you kidding me? 13. And the girls, they were amazing. Kicking ass in cuffed cargoes and having their phones in their pockets. And 
I was watching the swimming medley last night with Taylor and she said, mom, they're still going. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea how much that hurts your lungs right now. Oh, but I, I have to say summer Olympics for me are always a little bit like, I like watching like badminton and table tennis and thinking like, I can't swim. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I like, I like that there's a couple sports where like, you don't have to have a body for sports. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just had to have started, you had to get your 10,000 hours in, you know, you had to just have like done it. There's something about the devotion to like badminton and skeet shooting and things where I'm like, you know what, actually like you can still eat a cheeseburger every once in a while, you know, (laughs) and do, and like compete in badminton. But what about the craziness? What about the craziness of the serves on table tennis? It's it's really, it's, it's troubling to watch. They're contorting in strange ways that don't exist in a normal table tennis environment. But uh, it's the quickness of it. It's how fast it goes. That is absolutely amazing to me. I mean, everything, you can't keep your eye on it. I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Um, You haven't lived if you haven't watched Rich do a three and a half minute archery highlight. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get in there. I got to get on the peacock and start watching the the Rich archery highlights. By the way, it's Stephanie Golden. It's daily here on uh, Peacock. By the way, the the thing with your Gale thing too is, it makes you, if you're an announcer or a broadcaster, kind of want to talk like this. I, I didn't do, you know, that, that goes all the way, that goes way back. I mean, Howard Cosell with the voice, he always had like the sports voice that I thought, well, when he's just sitting around having a beer, he can't talk like this. You know what I mean? Like, what is the vocal contortion of right. presentational commentary? You know, that's what, that's what. John Michael Higgins and I are always trying to emulate. Oh my God. And we love it. And as you know, that movie is on repeat in my house. Yeah. Daily, weekly, monthly. Let's talk about my body, my podcast, because I do love this because, you know, I did the Lakers podcast. Podcasts are fun. You can sit in your pajamas. You can interview somebody. They think you're dressed and ready to go. And you're really just, your feet are up in your living room table. But I love the idea that you're finally doing one because it's something that means something to you. So why my body, my podcast? You know, I, I had been approached to do a podcast and I thought I want to do something more autobiographical. I wanted to tell us, I wanted to tell stories, honestly, and I wanted to talk about formative moments in my life that I felt, um, were relatable to everyone across. Like, it just doesn't matter when it happened to you. And it turns out, you know, actors, we have to meet new people all the time. Every job is new. Every set of people is new. You very rarely go to the same set, you know, unless you're on a television show for a long time, which is not my experience yet. You're constantly interacting with new people and you have to get deep with those people fast and you have to bond and trust them really fast. And so ultimately you almost always end up telling what I like to call, uh, I, I actually piss, poop, and vomit stories. Okay. <laughs> um, so can I say those words on you your can show? Say that here. I said butt hugger on the show yesterday. So okay, great. So, um, but also, it's a lot of it is like your your puberty stories, like your first times, you know. And what I realized in telling and doing that storytelling is and and bringing people into that tent. I've always, and as you know me, because I'm one of your girlfriends, your gal pals. 
I'm very open with all that stuff. And I would say that this is the most personal thing I've ever done as an artist because it's very much about storytelling, bringing people into a conversation versus the podcast where it's like you interview somebody about, you know, their first time or this or that, the other. I just felt like I wanted to almost create something that was like chapters of a book mm-hmm. and take advantage of the very personal nature of podcasts, which is you're in someone's ear and you're inviting them into a conversation things that things that I've spoken to my best girls about for years and years and years, I thought, can other people relate to this? And can we um, invite them into this conversation and talk about very taboo subject matter, which I think helps people lead a better life. So one of the main themes of the podcast is that our sex, sexuality, gender, all of those things They're very siloed off by our culture, but in fact, they are part of our holistic, long-term health, mental, physical, everything like our, like your, your pleasure, your loves, your physical body, um, your sense of safety, all of that, uh, matters to your long-term. And we talk to especially kids and friends about, uh, everything but that stuff. You never ask about like, well, what's going on in the bedroom, you know, or what, how are you doing with menopause or how are you doing with your period? Like no one says period on like, you know, podcasts. And so I was like, well, I want to do, I want to talk about that stuff. <laughs> well, of course you and do. So, yeah, of course I do. And I just want to, I just, it's all about uh, stigma and taking it away from all of those topics. And so I offer a lot of my own personal experiences and then talk to a lot of experts about how they either messed me up or (laughs) contributed to my ongoing happiness and mental health. I'm curious about whether it's more important for you to do this because you are the mother of two boys too. And I know how you are about raising them to be men and boys, but sensitive to their role in society and how they look at women. Absolutely. I felt like, you know, I have a 10 year old and an eight year old. And I know, you know, this from your kids too, like puberty is it's around the corner and I am not prepared. And I, I, I realized that I was not prepared and I thought, how do I arm myself with some tools and how do I explore what happened to me at those ages? Um, and, and really, and be honest about it, you know, be honest about like being a sexual being young and early and, and being aware of things younger and earlier. And the internet is not making our job any easier. It's only making our job harder. And it really felt to me, uh, that this was something that I could do not just for myself, but to become a better mom and to become a better human and to understand sort of what the landscape was going to look like for me and talking to my kids. So I really got some incredibly valuable tools um, to take forward and that I want to bring into my community too. I mean, with all of my relationships, I, all I've been talking about now is like, uh, you know, boys are, you know, looking at, they might want to be watching sports, but they're also watching porn. Are we all clear on this? Like when this is happening and what's going on and how do we get ahead of it, you know, and not, and be shame free about everything that's happening too, because that to me is the most important thing is how do we talk about it without stigma and shame? Elizabeth Banks joining me here on the Rich Eisen show, my body, my podcast available on audible on July 29th. I would be remiss before you go. It is today, the 20th anniversary of wet, hot American summer. Ah! 
Just say. Do you have any idea what you were getting into when you showed up for that movie? You know, we wanted to make a cult classic because we were all obsessed with Richard Linklater and we were obsessed with uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And we were, you know, we were just, we wanted to make that. We thought like this is a coming of age story that could be like a cult classic. And I mean, it was so culty that like four people saw it when it came out. But 20 years on, it is in fact a cult classic. So we did accomplish the thing I, I think that we all hoped we were going to do, which is kind of amazing. When's the last time you saw it? The original? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've seen pieces of it. I have not watched it, you know, head to tail uh, in a very long time. I mean, the (laughs) bananas. Think about it. It's Paul Rudd. It's Bradley Cooper in his first movie. Me me and Bradley, our first movie. Yeah. It's your first movie too? Yeah, Bradley and I is our first movie. Met on that movie. Amy Poehler, Paul Rudd, but you know, even Janine Garofalo and David Hyde Pierce and Molly Shannon, who are were all like names then. Um, it was I remember when we were making the movie that Paul Rudd, who had done Clueless, and 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 I think he'd been like a guest star in Friends a little bit, but it wasn't like happening yet. He got to be on the cover of Interview Magazine, Ooh. and we we all bought it and we like put pictures we put the cover up like everywhere. Like we, we were so happy and jealous and excited and like all the feelings of like, Oh my God, Paul, like you're making it, you know? And I remember he was like, I think I'm, I think he went to Asia to do like a Kung Fu movie or something. Like wasn't even in English. Like, it's like, I can't really get a job. And now he's Paul Wright and he's Ant-Man and it is what it is. So we could see, it was really fun to see it happening. Like then, you know, Amy getting SNL and like just being able to root for people. 80 Miles, who's in the movie, you know, he ended up being the head writer of Jimmy Fallon for years. So these guys were, they're, they were all, not to mention David Wayne and Michael Showalter and Mike Liam Black, who were um, obviously icons, especially in New York because of, because of, um, everything they had done and their sketch comedy and Stella and the whole thing. So it's been a really fun ride. I wonder if you could even make that movie today. I hope so. I mean, I think you can definitely make movies that feel culty and exciting. Um, And, and, you know, we're always, I'm always trying to discover really cool new people. I mean, Pitch Perfect was a bunch of unknowns. Anna Mm -hmm. Kendrick was the only name in the entire movie. We, we cast around her and, and found a bunch of, you know, unlikely heroines. And I think that is possible. People love to discover new talent and they like to root for underdogs. And that is what was at the heart of what had American Summer. Well, that's great. The timing was perfect. I'm thrilled to plug the podcast because I think it's so important. And come home already. I'm kind of <laughs> gone forever. But uh, when you get back, we, we're going to crack some Archer Roos. Yes. And, uh, watch what a hot American Summer. All right, thank you. I love you. I love you guys. I love Rich too. I hope he's having fun talking about Tokyo Gold. Tokyo Gold, everybody. I think you have to say the word everybody after it because it just feels a lot better. It just feels a lot better. I'll say you a link. A lot of press, though, for the Americans to actually have the most gold, right? Well, yeah, because it's American to have more. Yeah, we need the most. We have to actually be the winningest. So I don't know. I'm suddenly like, 
Currently today, we're not leading in the medal tally, but I'm sure soon enough we'll be Tokyo Gold 24-7. Well, tune in to Tokyo Gold tomorrow on Peacock, and you'll see Rich Eisen do a 75-minute archery highlight. It'll be great. Yes. <laughs> That'll be my, it's my audition for Pitch Perfect 7, just so you know. <laughs> All right. Love you, kid. Say hi to Max. Love you too, babe. I can't wait to actually see you in person. Mm-hmm. Kisses, kisses. Great having her back and up ahead on the Rich Eisen Show, Simone Biles has talked. We're going to listen to her and I have found a, an Olympic sport that I can do. That's next <laughs> here on the Rich Eisen Show. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung and that means spring cleaning or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Bill Hader here on The Rich Eisen Show. Your favorite character you did on SNL would be what? If you could just like wave a wand and say, I'll go back. Obviously, they're having you back all the time now, but if you could I mean, just do it again. I had a lot of favorite ones. I love doing the Vincent Price specials. When I was Vincent <laughs> Price. I love doing Keith Morrison, the Dateline guy. You could just read anything from him and it oh. would just sound creepy, right? I mean, yeah, he also said, I, he said something, of, it was it's not this, but it was something like a guy. He says, like, so you, your dad got shot in the face. <laughs> he goes, well, that must have been a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so, it's, like. It's not uh, right to laugh at it. But he's it's like, oh, that must have been a while right in front of you. <laughs> wow. Where did Vincent Price come from? Like I'm just, just a big Vincent Price fan. And then I so remember you pitched it around a table. You're like, no, oh, I no, do Vincent this guy, Price. Matt Murray, and I talked about it. Right. And uh, we decided to do it. And uh, and for uh, Thanksgiving, it was like this weird Thanksgiving special. And I remember right before I came out to do it, Lauren Michaels goes, I, it was my third or fourth show. I was terrified. And he went, I like this, but why now? why now do we do vincent price but uh but people seem to like it and um that one was fun keith morrison was fun 
Um, Vinny Vedecci, the Italian talk show host, was fun. What did what was that born out of? Just I was in line at, to see AI, the movie AI, okay. uh, at the Man's Chinese, mm-hmm. and there was a guy in front of us talking like that, and he was and it was he was kind of lecherous uh, Italian guy, and he was hitting on these two like you know, 18 year old girls. And he was like, I buy you gelato, gelato. You want gelato? <laughs> and he was like, I want to buy you gelato. No, 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 no. We watch gelato and then we see Robot Boy. Eh? <laughs> and uh, and so the whole movie, I was making my friends laugh going like, oh, the little Robot Boy, it's been it. He breaks him, he breaks. Oh, he's a teddy bear. He don't like him no more. And I was just like, and I was just doing it the whole movie to make my two friends laugh. And then I was like, oh, I should probably. And then when I met, uh, manager and she goes, well, can you do impressions? And I was like, no, I'd never really thought about doing mm-hmm. impressions of famous people. And she goes, well, do you do a voice, anything? And I went, what is this guy, this Italian guy? I went, Baragin, and she goes, okay, we can work with that. <laughs> and that became my audition. My audition was that guy for doing SNL. impressions. Yeah, so I, it was like Vinny Vedecci, the Italian guy was auditioning for SNL. Like, right. Thank you, Lauren, oh, this is so amazing. You know, and he was, then he would do a bunch of impressions. Welcome back to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Susie Schuster in for Rich Eisen. He will be joining us in the top of the next hour to talk about Tokyo Gold. He's going to go over all the Olympics and what's happened. But we are going to go right now to Simone Biles and listen to what she had to say today. No injury, thankfully. And that's why I took a step back because I didn't want to do something silly out there and get injured. So I thought it was best if these girls took over and did the rest of the job, which they absolutely did. They're Olympic silver medalists now, and they should be really proud of themselves for how well they did last minute having to go in. Um, And it's been really stressful, this Olympic Games, I think, just as a whole, um, not having an audience. There are a lot of different variables going into it. It's been a long week. It's been a long Olympic process. It's been a long year. So just a lot of different variables, and I think we're just a little bit too stressed out. Um, But we should be out here having fun, and sometimes that's not the case. Yeah, we're going to take it a day at a time. I know tomorrow that we have um, a half day, or at least the morning off. Um, So it'll be a good mental rest, and so we'll take it from there. I would call that good news. So it doesn't sound like she's done, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, it doesn't sound like an injury, so that's really important. And number three... It sounds like she just needed a break. Now, I don't want to hear from all the haters, so what? It's a competition. So-and-so didn't need the time. It doesn't matter. She needed it. So give it to her, don't you think? I think, uh, Chris, you brought up uh, you, you brought up the Dan Wetzel. Oh, let's look at this first. We have a tweet up here from her, and it's, it's, it's what do you think this means? This is like a, it's an empty heart. It's a white heart. Yeah, I don't know what that means. This is, uh, this is for a psychologist right here. I'm not sure what this means. It's a it's a quandary, TJ. What do you TJ's think this means? Pretty good at this. You're, you're yeah, a social yeah. media maestro. Yeah, you know, a lot of times I feel like people tweet stuff and it really has no meaning. I think we tend to really dissect yeah. tweets too yeah, much, and in this particular case, there's I don't really know. I'm sure it has some significance, but you've got me. I'm not sure. I'm look. I'm I'm on like my second mimosa today, so who knows? <laughs> yeah. who Sorry, Rich. Uh, Dan Sorry, Wetz- Rich Eisen. Dan Wetzel, the Yahoo columnist, had a had a great insight on this a, a nuanced perspective uh talking about the the keyboard warriors out there who are saying that simone quit on her teammates uh this morning 
He said, quote, he said in his tweet, uh, she actually saved her team. Her vault score was 13.766, which is unorm- unusually low for her. And it was 0.5 plus below her teammates and 0.7 below the lo- lowest Russian score. And that's when Russia kind of took a commanding lead because of that. And the U.S. doesn't win silver if Simone is scoring in that range. They probably don't medal at all. So in a, in a way, like... Is she crazy like a fox? Right. Well, she did what's best for her team. And she knew that she wasn't at her best and that she wasn't scoring at her best. So she took herself out. I mean, I think that's what... If you're in a game and you're gassed, you kind of say, hey, I need a sub. And it feels like Simone was gassed, maybe not physically, but definitely mentally. And if you know that and you know you're not going to give the score that you're accustomed to scoring or a score that's needed for a top flight medal, you take yourself out. And uh, that's, you know, in a, in a strange way that people probably don't really understand, she was being a good teammate here in this sense. We can sit here and opinion jockey all we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't yeah. know exactly what she did. And if she did that the way Dan Wetzel saw it, then she's a genius. And we're the idiots sitting here just opining about it. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I like to add that neither here nor there. If you want nuance, we have the right guy coming up in the third hour. We have Bob Costas coming on. We can ask him. He's like the king of nuance. He'll tell it. You know what he will do? He'll probably tell us exactly what we need to hear. Right? In Switzerland, it's illegal to own only one guinea pig because they are prone to loneliness. He also. Uh, You're stupid. That was great. He's the first guy who will throw out a pooty tang line, too, oh, yes. which I very Sadate. much appreciate. Sadate. I am really curious what's, how Bob is yeah. kind of seeing and reading right? all of this. Yeah, I'm real, really interested. As someone who's been to obviously many Olympic Games, he knows all the all time greats. He's seen them all at their height and understands the pressure of the moment that the Olympics um, kind of thrust upon you. I'm really curious what he has to say about this. So yeah. That's going to come up in about 27 minutes. You could say. As he would say, you could say <laughs> he's the gold medal broadcaster because yeah. he's done enough Olympics to be an Olympian. Just saying. Just saying. By the way, Aaron Rodgers came today. Anybody care? Anybody remember yeah, that Aaron Rodgers showed up in Green Bay today? Oh, by the way. I'm wondering if like, if there are any people in Green Bay or Packers fans. I wonder what are you pumped that he's back? Are you are you disappointed? Are you kind of over how he you perceive him to have behaved? During this off season, like I'm, do you wondering... find him petulant and not at all Midwestern when he shows up looking like Blade Runner? I mean, another guy tweeted out, "Yeah, he looks like Shailene Woodley's boyfriend from The Descendants." So I was not alone in that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, someone was like, "He just looks like your dad going through kind of I want to be young and cool again crisis." Yeah, no one's dad looks like that. Come on, <laughs> I get Calm it, but down, like with people. the t-shirt shades and flip flops, it's like all of a sudden your dad shows up and then you're like, "Dad, what are you doing? You're not cool." He's Mr. Berkeley, though. He's Mr. Southern Cal- Northern California. In that yeah. I mean, that's a... What are those shades? I mean, I think... And will they sell out? They're right out of Back to the Future, too, I think. And is he a huge Office fan? I think these are things that we need to know. Yeah. Well, him and Baumgartner are super tight, super so tight. it makes yeah. sense that, that makes sense. he's wearing the Kevin t-shirt there. Kevin's going to make a lot of cameos off of this one, isn't he? <laughs> Probably. He's the number one guy on Cameo. Yeah. I know. Should I get him on tomorrow? Should we talk about it? Yeah, why not? By the way, I can do dressage. I'm watching this right now. I'm watching this. I, that's my only Olympic sport I could possibly do. I would go do the riding. I would probably fall off at the first six-foot jump, <laughs> but I could maybe do it. On the other side of this break, Rich Eisen and Bob Costas. Stay tuned.
Tokyo Gold, everybody. Tokyo Gold. Which is going to come on? Dressage? You oh, said? yeah. Dressage. I, did, I did show Dressage. jumping. I did jumping. Okay. Um, my whole life, 3 to 18. Rode in the United States Equestrian Team Junior Finals. I was pretty good. Okay. Just saying. So I could do that. <laughs> just saying. That's pretty good. <laughs> just saying. Not that good. I'm not Jessica Springsteen. Do you know Bruce Springsteen's daughter is she, riding for Team USA? I, I, I know yeah. that. That's all amazing. First of all, she's stunning. She looks just like her mom. And That's she's amazing. Exactly. I mean, she is so good. So I'm just saying, she was born in the USA and she's riding. Hey, oh. Is she one of the favorites? First time Olympian. Discipline of jumping. Let's go. She, I mean, really good. She's a. Uh, I'm trying to think of a Bruce song. I was trying to finish the. God. I was going to say. She's got a hungry she's, heart for gold. She's got there a hungry go, heart Mike. for gold. Mike. Mike. Come on. Come on. Hey. That's good. You tell him. Because Mary's Place doesn't help me out here at all. You know, it's the only song that came in my head. I'm like, meet me at Mary's Place. That's not in Japan. Uh, she's uh, she's going to go thundering down the road. Yes. For wow. gold. I, this I, is going nowhere. Go. I, think we I, should, mean. I think we should stop. <laughs> Randall Cunningham's daughter is a, a, a track and field star. Really? Yeah, she's competing, I think, in the high jump. In the high jump? I think so, yeah. Man, if they win, it's going to be some glory days. <laughs> by the oh, way. They just passed you by. What? Hey. Susie, she hey. can't lose because she's a Jersey girl. Come on, people. Oh, oh my God. What? Come on, right. people. Hello, she, Chris Berman, wherever she, you are. Is she a Jersey girl? No, she was born in Los Angeles, Mike. Oh, she's tougher like, than the rest, Mike. My coast. He has a house in Jersey, so they, you got to give him. He's got both. Mike, she's going to win because she's tougher than the rest. You know, mm-hmm. oh, 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 oh. Deep she was born on the 4th of July. No. <laughs> Her name is not Bobby Jean. I, I don't know. Where's she I'm from, stopping. though? I'm stopping. She's, she's she, I mean, she was born here. But she's oh, in L.A.? Yeah, so she's from yeah. my hometown. Oh! oh! Wow, look at you guys. Come on, man. I mean, All I know is one thing. When she goes in the ring, oh gosh. she's going <laughs> to... She's going to never surrender. That's oh. right. Because maybe she was born to run. Hey, if she was oh, here in the on, studio yesterday. She is tougher than the rest, TJ. Yes, if she was here in the studio, she would have been dancing in the dark. Oh, no. yesterday. Yesterday. Exactly. Yesterday. So we're keeping Man, we This need, has nothing to do with the amount of champagne we've had we in the TJ studio. To drink Thanks every to Wheels day. Up, by the way. <laughs> Our Berkeley Code today brought to you by Wheels Up. We'll see you on the other side of this break. Rich Eisen joins us. He's going to be so upset. <laughs>